Hey guys, uh, Josh Klein here. Wanted to let you know, one day contract obviously right around the corner, right after REM. Um, we had a little bit of a scheduling conflict, so you'll hear at the beginning of the podcast we talk about our guest, Matt Miller, who is an NFL draft scout. Unfortunately, he had a uh, something come up and was unable to join us for the last segment of the show. So uh, he's going to be on next week, which we're really looking forward to talking to him. Obviously, one of the smartest minds in general regarding draft coverage. So excited to talk to him. But um, you will also hear that the show kind of just trails off as opposed to the usual ending of us yelling at each other. So make sure you go follow Nikki at Nikki704. Make sure you go follow me at Josh Klein Rules, Colin at Colin CLT, The Riot Report at Our Riot Report. Um, and we'll see you next week. That's the ending, but it's happening before the podcast starts. And while I've got you here in the first minute, Leave us a five-star review. Take take the time. Go on there. Really helps us to uh, to grow the podcast and get it out to more people. Uh, hope that you guys enjoy us yelling at each other about the new GM, Dwayne Haskins, our favorite ice cream toppings, and so much more. Here is One Day Contract. That's great. It starts with an earthquake. Birds and snakes and airplanes. Lenny Bruce is not a Welcome to One Day Contract, the Panthers talk show where each week we're joined by a new personality who we sign to a one day contract to join the show. One Day Contract is a proud part of the Riot Network. Follow us on Twitter at the Riot Network to stay up to date on all your favorite pods. Subscribe, rate, love us where you get your podcasts. My name is Nikki Wolf. With me as always, Josh Klein, managing editor for the Riot Report, number one LaMelo Ball fan, and is just wishing someone would sign him for the vet minimum. Aren't Gotta we all? get that. I got to get that veteran minimum. Like once, you know, if you, if anybody wants to kick the tires on me, if this American life is listening, um, if, uh, I don't know, the, the wake up call, the Mac attack, T-Bone, if you're listening, uh, I, I'm interested. Nick Wilson, holler at me. Nick Carboni, give me a shout. Um, I, I'm, I'm just available. For the vet, just kick the tires on me. Just see what I got. Bring me in for an interview. You don't have to, you know, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But I'm just saying, like, bring me in. Bring me in. Uh, you know, no, nobody's going to be sad. Nobody's going to be sad. What about CSL? Yeah, CSL will be sad if they brought me in for, <laughs> uh, for, for the veteran minimum. I'm, I, first of all, you don't want me in the same locker room with Will Kunkel because I will outshine him and they will know exactly who the leaders are. Carla, your job is in jeopardy if I come in there to CSL for the vet men. It's like when, you know, like when the Bears were like, when, when everybody in Chicago was like, well, you can't bring Cam into that Bears locker room because he'll, he'll just scare the towel off Mr. Trubisky. Like that's what it would be like in CSL. I'm Cam Newton, Will Kunkel, and Josh number two are Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles. I'll leave you, I'll leave it to you where you want to place the anatomy in that analogy. CSL, you have been warned. This is also going to be the test to see if any of them listen to the show on a weekly basis. They don't. (laughs) You can talk about on your next CSL appearance. Mm -hmm. I'll bring Uh, this clip. Also looking for the vet minimum, Colin Hoggard, columnist and contributor for the Riot Report, is excited for a QB room of Teddy, Dwayne, and Macaroni Jones in 2021. Uh, Yeah, look, sounds great. Sounds wonderful. I want to talk about Josh's promo he just cut. Like, he really did get inspired by Goldberg coming back. He's been more- <laughs> Bro, if Goldberg could be cutting promos like that, uh, he, would have, he would have been even better 
would have been the WWF champ in addition to that WCW championship. My guy over here, no edits, Conkle. No edits. He did that one take. That's one right. Take. Get out of your edit, editing bay. Get out in front of the people. Do it live. Yeah. Like a man. I, I put my promo out to the dozens and dozens of listeners. Oh, no edits, Klein. Change, <laughs> change your bio right now. That's right. No edits, Klein. The big dog is back. Don't put me on your don't don't put me on that live sports show. I know I literally just now I'm now I'm campaigning not to be put on these shows. <laughs> seems weird. I'm just joking, everybody. Please, I'll take I'll take any of the guest appearances I can get. I'll look better <laughs> than this too. I'll do some work. You're fine. You're fine. Is that not yeah. what you look like on TV? Yeah, I always look like I just woke up from a nap. Always, constantly. I'm always it's wearing all casual. A- a stained hoodie. I'm working from home. It's a WFH situation. <laughs> well, on the one-day contract this week is Matt Miller, a.k.a. the NFL Draft Scout on Twitter, but we're going to be bringing him in a little bit later on the show. So first, boys, let's start with Nikki's super important question. Give me your wild card weekend thoughts. Oh, um... First of that all, <laughs> yeah, no, um, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I was okay. You had it, it's a it's a super important question. It doesn't get to end with a period. My it's bad. It's a super important question. Good point. Thank you. Didn't we used why to do we were super important off. question used to be we not football related, but now it's always just like, what's your last? What's your thoughts on the last week? And I get it, <laughs> Nikki. You know, we're working from home. It's been a long year. And you're kind of just like, uh, my super important question is like, I don't know, how are you? Like, <laughs> we have super important answers over here, and some of us mailing it in a little bit. Yeah, let me ask you a super important question. <laughs> yeah, I have a super important question too. What are you doing with your prep time? <laughs> <laughs> Here's my super important question. I just figured since we're going to have a, a, a long off season to come up with beautiful topics to discuss around a super important question maybe the weeks when we do have football we, we throw a little bit of sports in absolutely okay? um i thought that uh i was not impressed with the tampa bay bucks defense now my favorite ice cream topping <laughs> is i think so i probably would go like rainbow sprinkles because that's for soft serve but for hard serve um you want to have and not like mixed in but something sprinkled on top um i would say uh peanut butter chips oh okay colin what are your thoughts on wild card weekend and your favorite ice cream topping well as i was watching the uh championship game last night between alabama and ohio state i couldn't help but think that you know the panthers are going to have a chance to draft any number of these guys, minus maybe two on the field. And it seemed like there's a lot of good players out there. So I was excited about that. As for the dessert toppings, I'm still upset. There is no better dessert value. Sorry, Wendy's. Once you change your fries, you ruined part of this, uh, the frosty experience. The best was the McDonald's hot foot sundae. But it requires the Fisher nuts, and they no longer carry the Fisher nuts. This is a constant problem. Can you produce the 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 hot hot fudge sundae experience at home if you purchase your own Fisher nuts? Do you have oh. a soft serve ice cream machine? 
because I have a Harris Teeter between <laughs> me and the McDonald's, and they have Fisher Nuts. And so now, sometimes I have to pay about $7 for one uh, hot fudge sundae from McDonald's because they can't carry the little package of nuts. If I had soft serve ice cream machine at home, I would not be talking to you guys. First of all, I would take up a lot more of this Zoom square. And second of all, I would be literally eating ice cream san- sandwiches. Sure, I would probably be making my own sandwiches. <laughs> Fresh baked bread. It's pumpernickel, so it looks like chocolate. And I'm eating it. Delicious. Did you just make a pumpernickel ice cream sandwich? Is that what just happened? Iron Chef style. Savory. It's called a savory dessert, Nikki. Get on my level. Oh, gosh. This is why you're supposed to have a question. This is your segment, Nikki. This is your segment. (laughs) I've ruined ruined all of this. My apologies to everyone. (laughs) Not to Colin and Josh, but everyone listening. And the correct answer was obviously rainbow sprinkles. So, Josh, you get a half point. Because staining your hands is necessary part of the dessert experience. What are you eating? Rainbow sprinkles with your hands like a maniac? Yeah, like, yeah, a, but like a handful of Skittles. Yeah, it's me and not the five-year-old. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's me. That's why you have kids to blame that. Oh, the, the kids doing it. Rainbow sprinkles. They're sprinkles and not Jimmy's too. I don't want to hear the word Jimmy's come out of people's mouth when you're talking about uh, ice cream. Only when we're talking about the Jimmy's and the Joes. That's right. It's not the X's and the O's. It's the sprinkles and the O's. Oh, Lord. Okay, let's talk about football. <laughs> I'm so glad Matt Miller was not here for this segment. <laughs> I, hope he, I hope he somehow doesn't hear this before. We should ask him what his favorite uh, ice cream topping is. We that probably will, be, will. That will be the first question. Don't yeah. worry. Um, so before we start this GM search segment, let's just go ahead and preface this by the fact that we are in a time capsule and that this was recorded in advance. So in case there's any sort of breaking news or happenings or whatnot, there's your explanation for why. Don't be mad at us. Uh, yeah, we're don't sorry. Be mad. Yeah. As of now, the hiring is imminent. We expect it soon if it hasn't happened by the time you hear this, uh, but it has not occurred as we record this. Now, that being said, so I mean, same thing goes for uh, the head coaching thing that we're going to talk about later. Uh, but um, that being said, I have something to say about people who have a favorite uh, GM candidate or dislike a, uh, a previous GM candidate. I think, it's, uh, I think it's a little bit over the top to have a specific candidate that you want the Carolina Panthers to hire. Um, if you are a like – now, if you're David Tepper or Matt Rule, you probably should have a, a guy that you want. But if you are a, a, one of the folks listening um, – and you say to yourself, man, I really wanted them to hire Ed Dodds. I really wanted them to hire Adam Peters. Really, I wanted them to hire Quezzy. Um, That is terrific. But ultimately, like, these guys, the track record for these guys is not what we on the outside and in the public necessarily can read. As far as, like, being a GM, like, it's not, it's not, X's, it's not X's and O's. It's, you can't put on the tape and be like, man, you, you look at the way that Adam Peters drafted in 2014 – like, we don't know how much involvement he had uh, in each pick, in each signing, who he was pounding the table for. You know, for all the, for all the reports that um, Ed Dodds was pounding the table for Russell Wilson and, um, and Andrew Lu- or whoever they, they drafted in the, in the Colts that, that everybody loves, 
Um, we don't know who else he, he could. You don't share the stories when you're pounding the table for the bad guys that you see when you're pounding the table for Devin Funchess in free agency. You don't share those. You share the ones that are good because you're trying to get your best foot out there and get your get yourself hired. I think what you're saying is really hard to be on the outside and have an informed opinion on any of these people. And I would, I would agree because one thing people have to realize, especially in this day of social media, like these, these names, they come out like little tidbits. Most often there's probably an agent behind that at some, at some point um, there's somebody that's, that's trying to get that name out there. I mean, it's not a mistake that, that, that JJ, you know, when we had him on, he was able to do a list of 30 plus GM candidates. I mean, that's because people want these jobs. They want their names out there for these jobs. Mm -hmm. And just because they're good at that part of it doesn't mean they're going to be good at picking football players. And if you took even the most basic relationship, like so, okay, Dodds with the Colts, and you went down, like you said, and you went through the, the Colts' recent transaction history, you wouldn't have a real indication of, uh, uh, of what he specifically wanted. This is one where we have to, as fans, rely on Matt Rule and, and, and David Tepper to hopefully make – a good decision. How about if I pitch you a general manager that in back-to-back -back drafts picked the best quarterback and the best linebacker in the history of the last franchise that he worked for? Is that somebody you're interested in? How about a guy that, that worked with minimal salary cap over the past couple of years and really was like signing veterans off the scrap heap and, and, you know, putting together a fairly competitive team. In fact, they started six and two until the other quarterback got hurt. And are you, are you talking about a guy that maybe like at the, middle part of the first round was able to identify a, a pass rusher that some people thought was too small, but maybe could be a foundational piece for a, a defensive pass rush. Yeah. I mean, he's not, he's not great at drafting on day two and day three, but the reality is, is who is great at drafting on day two and day yeah. three day one, he nails every single pick. He has a 100% success rate on day one. Isn't that a guy that you want as the general manager of your franchise? Cause you know, I, I know I do, you know, who else loves him? You got a lot of players that are going to bat for him. He got when he when he lost his last job. Players, social media, they're weighing in how much they love this guy. That's their guy. Past coaches that he've worked with. In fact, his last coach was was raring to go. So if you want to get him, you better go out and get him now, or else he's going to sign with the last guy they worked with. You know, I was thinking about something because so much was made about the fact that Marty was rehired here in, in Carolina. Wait, who? What no, if? Sorry. What if he wasn't a sacrificial lamb? back in, in you know in 20 in 2012 what if he wasn't what if he had just been the gm for that entire run and had two super bowls under his belt and i know get i know it's no guarantee that it plays out the exact same way i understand all that but my oh my how different things feel and how people would feel differently and and, and the cornerstones were, were in place the cornerstones were all in place so anyways um Point being, I think it's very difficult to have um, an informed opinion. I also think it's important for people to recognize this is not going to be a team president. This is not going to be the head honcho. This is not going to be the John Elway in, in Denver. This guy is going to be a pretty clear number three. Tepper seems to be particularly involved at this point. We'll see if that tapers off. Um, so I think he's not – like the, the owner is always the one – but what percentage of the time do they, do they use that, that power? I think his uh, percentage is ticking a little higher um, than, than you might like. And then it's going to be Matt Rule. Unless you think the general manager is going to come in and get a bigger contract than what Matt Rule got a year ago, 
they are going to be the clear number three. And I think that's going to, that's going to deter, it's going to some legitimate candidates and you might get a younger, um, a younger candidate. You might get um, an internal candidate, but I think it's important that people understand where this person is going to be in the pecking order. Well, I think it's also, you have to look at who they already have on their staff. And I think this is something that you want to talk about, but um, you already have a cap guy in Samir Suleiman. You already have objectively a director of pro personnel um, or VP. I don't know what the, what the titles are, but in Pat Stewart, who is essentially running the pro scouting department. So what's left. So the, the draft and then the kind of the, the last, you know, the, the decision maker. Um, and if he is not necessarily going to be the decision maker, if it's going to be a, he's going to make a decision, then kick it up the line to two more guys who are then going to make the decision. Um, is that a job that a lot of guys want? And my opinion personally is yes, it is a job that a lot of guys want. And, and just because somebody like, maybe it's not the perfect fit for someone like Ed Dodds doesn't mean that it is not one of 32 of the most influential jobs in all of sports. And you can, you can really make your mark on a team, obviously, but you can really, you know, you can make a name for yourself as the general manager of an NFL team, even if you are not necessarily the final decision maker. And that, but you're still talking about a different group because, and and that's why, again, we go back to, it's hard to make an informed decision about these guys, because if you had, if you were going to be in the market for a guy with a track record, he's not coming here. So the only, like, if you had a guy that was like a Bill Polian, for example, that was going to come to Carolina. He had a track record. You knew who he was. He's not, you know, and he left shortly after because he found out that number one was number one. Uh, but um, the uh, the guys that you're going to get here are going to be more unproven I, than um, than have a than have a track record of success. Yeah, and I think that's fine. Like uh, unproven may. Fine. Yes, unproven. I think it's fine. It's yeah, fine. well, they're no, no, but they're but fine. they're like the idea that you want to skew younger in terms of GM and maybe and maybe uh, mix up how the corporate structure that the NFL uses and the way that the other NFL teams use. I think that's totally fine. Like I, I like if that's what you're going to go for is hey, we're not going to necessarily like we're going to have a general manager in name, but also he is going to have you know he's going to split some duties with Pat Stewart and with Samir Suleiman, and maybe they don't want to say that out loud but it did kind of seem like that was what they wanted to do last year when they, uh, when they fired Ron Rivera, you heard uh, David Tepper talk about hiring an assistant GM slash VP role that never got, really got filled. And so maybe that's, maybe they're just looking to kind of mix up this structure a little bit. And yes, to your point, I do think that Matt rule, whether or not he says it is going to have a huge uh, amount of influence on every single move that this team makes. I, this thought occurred to me just before the show. I believe we're heading into a draft where we will have the most inexperienced decision makers in franchise history. Yeah, that, yes, I and agree. I, and I don't I think that just, maybe, maybe it's great. Maybe it's great. Could work out good. That's the thing with sports and with football is that sometimes even if your process is wrong, the results end up being right. So uh, it could work out great. You could, uh, whoever, whoever they draft with the eighth pick, um, just because they went, may, just because they may have made some mistakes 
theoretically, if they did make mistakes, if they draft the right guy at eight, it all doesn't matter. Like if just like, like the easiest example is that the Panthers were dead set on drafting Marty, drafting Marty Herney. The Panthers and Marty Herney were dead set on drafting Greg Little with the first, with the 16th pick in the 2019 draft. Dead set, like up until the 15th pick went off the board, they were drafting Greg Little. And all of a sudden, Brian Burns is available, and it's like, well, maybe we'll draft. What do you think about Brian Burns? Flipped on a dime. Now they have this up-and-coming superstar uh, at defensive end. And it was – they were – they almost went – they almost made a huge mistake that would have, you know, continued – that would have set them back even further than what they did. But they they ultimately – went the other way and they made the right decision but that's a 50 50 coin flip call and then it's like oh and we went with this way and it's the right decision and here is the best player on our defense or here's a guy that's probably not going to make the team next year like those guys were both available at 16 they went with burns and and it changed the way that the defense runs do you think they've interviewed so many candidates because Tepper will only hire someone that tells them it's okay to trade up to one? Wow. Yes. I don't know. Like, is he just, is he, we're just going to keep going. He's like, listen, do you think we can get up to Lawrence? No. All right, next, next. <laughs> also, like, I love, I love the idea that people are like, well, they're interviewing so many people because it's just on zoom. And it's like, no, totally. I get that. But also like, well, if you, you don't have to pay for a plane ticket in a hotel room, it's a lot more palatable for these owners. And it's like, do these owners really care about a, you know, an $800 plane ticket and a thousand dollar a night room? Uh, these owners of a bill, like David Tepper is a billionaire, billionaire with a B and not just a billionaire, but a billionaire. Like he has so many billion, like the, the stock market, he made more in this first quarter already 12 days in than uh than the team will probably produce over the course of the entire year so i don't think that it's like well we can do it over zoom so that's why they're interviewing so many people like if he wants to fly people in also if he wants to fly people in he's gonna fly people in he does not give a crap about those covid regulations well no i do think it i do think i think you're wrong on this i think the zoom the zoom acceptability makes a a complete game changer because he could be on a boat and zoom with you but like if he's like man bring him in oh it, oh how much did the marriott cost no he's not concerned about that he's concerned that he's got to show up to, to shake hands with you like but on zoom i could be anywhere baby and i could just we could carve out 30 sure i'll talk we know he needs friends we've got to get this man a friend do you know when the um <laughs> You know how when when the quarantine first started and the news was just full of like every the end the last forty five seconds of every news segment was like, "Are you wearing pants right now?" Like that was the last forty five. What percentage of of GM interviews do you think that David Tepper and Matt Rule are wearing? Not not pants. They're not pantsless, but they're not wearing sweats slash shorts for. You that they're wearing like you jeans. Rule just pants. run around the smock like just this like a muumuu. <laughs> I'm saying sweats. I'm saying sweats because, like, I house I know pants. that I He's at yeah, home house, house pants. Thank you, Nikki. What like non house like outside pants first versus soft clothes? I think it's mostly soft clothes. That's all I'm saying. Mostly house pants. Soft clothes. Tepper definitely tucks his shirt into his house pants. You don't. No. <laughs> no. Why would I want that bunching up? I got to show up my belt. <laughs> I gotta let the, the, the let the tassels hang. 
No, okay. Is that what you call them, is the tassels? Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) The drawstrings? Oh. Oh, I think we were talking about two different things. Sorry. That's my fault. Maybe we were talking about three different things. Uh, (laughs) um, I do think that there's a chance, though, that that this 15-person interview search has really been a fact-finding mission. And I hope that both David Tepper and, and Matt Rule have used this as an opportunity as like a a knowledge infusion, not that they needed it, but just of what other people think about this organization, what they think about this roster, what they think about this, the future, uh, where the game's going, all of that. I think there was a lot of good information to be gleaned by doing 15 of these interviews, if that's the approach. If they're just, you know, if he's looking for somebody to tell him he can go get Trevor, then, you know, it's going to be what it's going to be. The ultimate focus group? Yeah, it's not. I mean, uh, ultimately, my my – question will be that the way the difference in processes between the hire the coach hiring process and the gm hiring process because the coach hiring process was very much they interviewed three people i believe and on the third one was matt rule and they didn't leave matt rule's house without a contract so obviously you know david tepper fell in love with matt rule and said this is the guy that's going to lead our franchise and that's great Um, but then for the next year to come around and you to go through 15 different candidates, including uh, adding additional candidates in the last couple of days, um, the differences in process interests me because if they are going to hire one of the two guys they interviewed on Monday, um, then great. That makes sense. They interviewed a bunch of people. They didn't like who they were interviewing. And then they, the last one that they interviewed, they ultimately, who they went with. Um, but if they're going to circle back to one of the guys that they interviewed on Monday, it makes me a little bit more nervous because then it's not, we were looking for our guy. It was, we interviewed our guy. We saw the other 12 people who we thought could, um, outrank them and it didn't work out. And it's not that you can't interview that way because personally, whenever I've hired anybody for a job, that's how I've always done it is you hire, you interview as many people as you possibly can, but we have already seen that that is not necessarily the case with David Tepper. He goes a little bit um, more gut heavy. And so uh, it, I'll be interested to see how this one shakes out. I'll be interested to see how in the future GM searches or future searches go for this organization, particularly if they do end up hiring, say someone internally or, you know, like you said, one of the first people they interviewed and people kind of take this as, oh, that was, you know, them doing a big old, uh, get, you know, trying to, trying to get information from, you know, half the league basically. Well, sure. I mean, if they're going to do that, they should have interviewed the Bucks and the, and the, and the Falcons director of player personnel and the New Orleans. I mean, they did in what they, they interviewed Jeff Ireland. So there's, why would one. we ever want to copy anything the Bucks do? Well, but you want to know how they do it. You don't necessarily want to copy it, but... With stupid penalties. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how about we don't do an eye test on our quarterback? How about that? Is that an idea? <laughs> Seems to be pretty inaccurate, but let's not see if he needs glasses like Rick Vaughn. But there were no signs. That's the thing. It's not like he had a nickname like Squints or anything like that. No. Not like there are famous gifts of him squinting. That's for sure. No. Any other GM thoughts? No. No. All right, let's move it on. (laughs) Colin puts his hand in the air. Let's talk about Joe Brady. Is he a leader to get this Falcons job? What do we think his chances are of getting this? Where is he? 
the reason is that a lot of people are thinking about this is because on atlantafalcons.com, they, uh, they published an article that cited a bunch of sources, including Jonathan Jones, who's been on this podcast, friend of the pod, JJ, uh, that Joe Brady is a leader in the clubhouse to be the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. And when the team website publishes something like that, you might say that is a, that's a pretty good inside source. The team website published a leader for their head coach position. Are there no links we will go to get clicks? Are there no links? It's a weird, you know, what's weird is like, why publish it that way? Like, yes. it, yeah. But so, so now, so now I guess in theory, if Joe Brady goes from being the leader to not getting it next year, he should be doubly pissed when we face him two times. He's, he's going to get, they're going to get better Brady in their face next year. Right. What are they? What is this? Where's football? <laughs> Atlanta Aren't they the Falcons same ones that, that sourced themselves during, like, sources say that the Falcons are interviewing this, like, you are the Falcons. What do you mean source? Shouldn't you, shouldn't you they, be the one reporting it? They can't throw a draft party worth a damn. They, they, they pump in music. This is what – God, can you imagine being an Atlanta fan trying to talk yourself into Trey Young and this organization? Oh. When oh, you're – so I'll just – I'll read I'll read it. Um the Atlanta Falcons are continuing their thorough search for their next head coach and general manager, but two names emerged Monday and multiple reports as possible favorites. According to multiple reports, the Falcons could be eyeing Carolina Panthers offensive coordinator, Joe Brady as head coach and new Orleans saints executive Terry Fontenot as general manager. Atlanta has already interviewed both candidates. There's no been, there's been no official indication about which way they're leaning with their search at this point in time. CBS sports senior NFL reporter, Jonathan Jones tweeted on Monday morning that a union between Brady and Fontenot is very possible in Atlanta a report local reporters who cover the Falcons then echoed. So essentially, yeah, I mean, just any time that we've ever seen this, and I'm not sure that I have seen it on a bunch of other team websites, but any time that the Panthers have put out like report Panthers trading Trey Turner for Russell Okung, it's because they can't announce it yet. Um, that that may be the case. I actually think this is Bubkus. This is more. I'm more inclined to believe that this is a, this is a dumb young person than than like how or than Blank was like. All right, let's get this on the team website. You know, I don't know. I don't. I think it's less likely. Or it's more likely that it is ill-informed that it's on that website than it is well-informed. But I mean, yeah. we'll see. Well, well, let's let's talk about the possibility that Joe Brady is the Atlanta Falcons head coach. Um, if Joe Brady is the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, does that make the Atlanta Falcons? Um, does that actually make them the Carolina Panthers rival? Because as we saw this past year, when we talked to DJ Moore, you talked to anybody else on the team, none of these other teams, the Bucks, the Saints, the Falcons, none of them would say, oh yeah, that's our rival. They were all just like, yeah, it's just another game. Because I would like that. I, would, I, would, I want the Panthers to have a rival, and they do not have one right now. The Brown Steelers that happened over wildcard weekend, that was great. That was absolutely fantastic is like when it's Steelers week and you have TJ well I guess that was the Bengals but um when you when it's like the Browns is the Browns and Juju dances on their logo and then all these other things that like build up in your history between two teams that's what I want and so I would hope that that kind of thing starts to happen with uh the Falcons and the Panthers because there is some history 
obviously there is a bunch of history between these two teams, but ultimately the only, the only people that consider them rivals are the fans. And that sucks. Well, I just think it shows that, you know, that, that we as a regional smaller market um, part of the country don't get the same national exposure because the history is here. The history is here between the Panthers and the Saints. The history is here between the Panthers and the Falcons. And people just don't – I guess it just doesn't matter to folks. I mean, the history's there. There's been plenty of mix-ups. I mean, do we like Roman Harper or not? I'm still not sure all the time. I like Roman Harper as a person. I liked his Seems outfit nice. for the pregame show Monday night before the okay. national championship. Yeah, you say – yeah. That? Yeah, yeah, it looked like a magic school bus. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're like, yeah, I'm cool with Roman Harper. Okay, let's say you're going to dinner in Charlotte with Roman Harper, and out the front door of the restaurant comes Smitty. Are you down with Roman Harper? If Smitty, or are you? The t- oh no, Smitty, I just, I just ran into him. I, I, I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, you're down with Roman Harper until you see Smitty, and then you want to be on Agent 89's team. I'm just saying. I just, yeah, is that what you say I was thinking about you the whole time? Is that when you use that line? Exactly. It didn't mean it. It was just dinner, Smitty. No, it didn't mean anything. I was. Uh. He always dresses like that. It's not a special occasion. <laughs> um, I, I think that I, I was I just, buying that necklace for you, Smitty. Yeah. I, I think more people are exposed to the the traditional rivalries that that we get exposed to on prime time. It, you know, to include the you know the Steelers. And Ravens, but really the the Browns, like they weren't anybody's rival. They've not been anybody's rival except for maybe the Bengals themselves. Um, yeah, for for a long time, it's been Steelers Ravens. It was Steelers Bengals for a while, and then Steelers Browns in a long time. The only thing that they've got is that they've been playing each other, which we've been doing that for a long enough time now. But people just aren't exposed to it the same way. And I, and I, I say that as like young football players. You know, you don't, you don't, you didn't see us as much. So let's say Brady is gone. Is a replacement OC on the roster already? Yeah, I think you have to look to Jeff Nixon. He's a running backs coach um, for the Panthers. And when you look at what the running backs, running, runnings back, running backs, running backs. When you look at what the running backs did, it's tough because it's like it's two words, and I didn't know what whether it was like. Um, you put how the wrong emphasis on the wrong thought it might be cool runnings backs. Yeah, or like I'm trying to think of like the there's there are a couple of wh- the before times and after. when you like when you uh, when Real you pluralize the when you pluralize the first word like big big smack big big max. Um, anyway, uh, quarters pounders. Um, <laughs> I, it's all just burger talk. The running backs coach Jeff Nixon who um, was Matt Rule's play caller at Baylor and has garnered a lot of positive energy and positive words from Matt Rule over the past couple of years. So I think that would probably be the, the, the call. Ultimately, I would love to see them go outside the organization, bring in somebody a little bit more, um, uh, bring in a former head coach. I, the, same, the same thing that I thought they should have done when Matt Rule was putting his staff together in the past was I thought that you could use a little bit more experience on this staff and not just Phil Snow experience, um, was having some experience of guys that have been there before that could maybe be a little bit more of a mentor for uh, Matt Rule. And um, maybe they will do that. I mean, obviously these are all just hypotheticals, but that I do think 
if you're talking about, if you're asking me to put a percentage on who the most likely to be the offensive coordinator is next year, and he is not a man named Brady living with three very lovely girls, I would say it would be Jeff Nixon. It'll be interesting. I think, I think we will um, – I know I'll certainly try and infer uh, from both of these hires if, if they have to make you know, the GM hire and then this, uh, this hire as well because one of the things I'm, gonna keep, I'm keeping my eye on is do Matt Rule and David Tepper want people that will tell them no? And I think these hires are two positions where you can get people that will tell you yes, you can get some people that will stand up and tell you no. It'll be interesting to see which ones they get. What does it say – about Matt Rule when you have turnover already? If you're already looking at somebody bouncing out of here, is it a worry? Is it a compliment? What, what is it? How do you look at it? I would be curious to turn that back on you. I, I'll, I'll tell you my thoughts on it. I think it's uh, good for Matt Rule for putting together staff that people are coveting um, and that want to poach them off of them, regardless of the record that they finished with. Um, do I think that uh, I think that maybe it's a little bit of a mistake and, and maybe Joe Brady isn't 100% ready to be a head coach? I do. But also I think that to turn that around to be like, well, something's wrong with Matt Rule. Something is afoot in Carolina because these guys are leaving for raises and better jobs. And did you see how much money Jake Peets is going to make as the offensive coordinator at LSU? $1.2 million with a one-time signing bonus of 150000 I can tell you right now, quarterbacks coach in the NFL, does their, their contracts do not include the phrase one-time payment of $150,000. They may say $150,000 split over 26 payments could be paid bi-weekly. So the, the, thought that you're, uh, the thought that it's like, oh, well, these guys are leaving because something is afoot. No, they're leaving because these are better jobs. This is what you want to move up. This is how this is how this game works, and this is how careers work in the world. Is that if you get the opportunity for a better job, you take that better job. And I also think some guys, you know, maybe took a taste of the the, the pro lifestyle and said, hmm, maybe I maybe I like the college a little bit better. I think you know everybody's gonna um, you gotta find the right place for them. Uh, it's 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 too early to tell. Um, but again, the fact that he has got people that are coveted. Uh, I think is I think is is a good sign. Nikki, what do you think? I mean, I like Joe Brady from the beginning, and I feel like Matt Rule has a good eye for talent. To have somebody that even the season that we have getting that much buzz, and other teams wanting to bring him in, despite how this season ended, especially that second half, I just I think it says a lot about Rule. I, I, I'm on a dovetail off your point about about Rule here, Nikki, because that's really what separated him at Baylor and at Temple, one of the things they did is they said, we're, we, don't, we don't do you know, the, the star ratings, whatever. We look at our own stuff. We do our individual evaluations. We do talent evaluation. And if Matt Rule has that piece, he doesn't have to be the greatest game day coach. He doesn't have to be a lot of things. If he can surround himself with good people on the sidelines and good people on the field, um, and, and can do a good job of identifying them. So if that really is the ace in this hole, I, he's got, he's got a, a major leg up to, to succeed in this position. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I mean, there were, there, there can be, there were warts with Matt Rule's first 12 months in office in Carolina. And I think you could certainly pick apart a, a, a lot of stuff. 
but um, you have to overall be pleased with the way that he had identified talent and utilized it to its, to the best uh, that he could, you know, that, that he took talent that maybe other people didn't recognize. And we saw it on the field in terms of young undrafted free agents, in terms of guys that have been cast offs from a veteran standpoint, like Russell Douglas, but it's also the case in terms of his coaching staff and his scouting staff and his sports scientists and his uh, weight training guys. So it's like all these things have put together. And we talk about the culture that Matt rule is building all of that goes into it. It's not just what happens between 1 and 4 p.m. on Sundays. And I do think it's worth noting that this is a guy that went into Texas and was finding people that, that guys weren't uh, identifying, like in Texas. You know, it's not, not like he was like the one guy in Vermont. I mean, he was in Texas and doing that and pulling it off and producing guys that were able to play and get drafted in the NFL. Before we get to our guest, I do want to talk about Dwayne Haskins. Um, what do you guys think about the decision? We got to talk about in? Dwayne. I can't believe we didn't talk about him already. <laughs> you mean the only uh, woofed skin jersey available, I believe, when they clinched the playoffs on fanatics.com? Wait, is that uh, true? That, that, that was a thing. Dwayne Haskins was the only uh, Washington football team jersey you could buy on fanatics.com when they clinched the playoffs. I bet there's some Heineke jerseys getting shipped out to the uh, whatever the zip code is there in Washington to the Nova <laughs> area, the RVA. Um, I think that RVA, DVA, DMV. DMV. Thank you. Too many letters. I just, uh, ugh, I'm falling apart. Um, here's the thing about Dwayne Haskins. And I, I, I think that this could be a, um, this could be an issue that will never rear its head because there is a chance that they just never signed Dwayne Haskins. And then all of this talk, uh, this segment and um, the past four days of morning radio and uh, lots of opinion pieces are meaningless, but I think that it would be, um, I think that I'm a big believer in second chances. And I think that Dwayne Haskins certainly certainly deserves one and whether it's a second chance or a third chance or whatever he wants, um, I, I believe in all that, and I think he does deserve it. However, um, there are a couple statements that Matt Rule has made that I have trouble lining up with this visit, and if, it, if they are to sign Dwayne Haskins, that I have trouble lining them up. The first is that Matt Rule made it very clear during weeks 15, 16, and 17 after Marty Herney has been fired that he did not want to make personnel decisions. He did not want to be the GM. Now, we don't have a GM, and I understand the idea that people are asking, like, who's making these decisions when there's no GM in-house? It's a joke. Matt Rule is making these decisions, and some of the decisions are not decisions at all. It's not a decision to sign an exclusive rights free agent who was your starting kicker uh, all year. That's not a decision. Like, it's not a decision to extend Joe Charlton, who was, uh, for all intents and purposes, an excellent punter as a rookie as a UDFA. Like, that's not a decision. Um, but it's also going to be a decision that could have been made three months ago that we have to wait until the right day to do this. And we all know that this is the right thing to do. So guess yep. what? On that day, the things happened. I remember last year we didn't, the Panthers did not sign, uh, the exclusive rights free agents until March and April. And I remember uh, like people on Twitter and social media, just freaking out, like, what are they doing? Why aren't they doing this? And then the last day before they could, before they could, they did. And so now instead of, 
the last day, they do it on the first day because who cares? You're always going to make those moves. It, they're, they're no brainers. Um, but in terms of Dwayne Haskins, it's just interesting that this is clearly uh, something that either came from rule or someone above rule. Um, the other thing is that I do feel like it is tough to couch the fact that he spent the last 12 months building this brand and building this culture of people that want to work hard, come in early, study tape, be the guys that outwork your opponents, the toughest guys on the field. And for all reports, and again, I've never met Dwayne Haskins. I do not want to assign this moniker to him, but there have been reports in Washington that he was not that guy, that he did not work hard, did not come in early. In fact, he came in late, that he had to be set, that he was sent off to side fields during training camp because he didn't know the offense enough. Um, all of these reports came in and if you are going to build that culture for 12 months and then sign somebody who is not that guy because he has a first round pedigree and because he has the talent of a quarterback that I think may cause some derision and some problems in the locker room. And if you are going to release somebody who is a practice squad cornerback because they were spotted and put on social media, breaking the COVID protocols. And then two months later, sign someone who did objectively the exact same thing mm -hmm. because he is a first round quarterback and has more talent. I think that you may be setting a precedent again, you're not a hundred percent doing it, but you might be setting a precedent that if you are talented enough, you don't have to follow the same rules that the rest of the team does. And that seems like the opposite of what Matt rule has been preaching and saying for his entire time here in Carolina. And that is why I have an issue if they were to make this signing of Dwayne Haskins, that being said, they may not sign him. They, if they wanted to bring him in on Monday and then they decided, you know what, not our guy. That's what they should be doing. You should be kicking the tires on somebody, but if you're going to sign him and bring him into the building, bring him into your culture, that that's when I would start to question. Well, uh, you know, you said it doesn't line up except for the fact that you got to remember the guy at the top, he's got the fever. He's got the fever. And that fever's not going to break y'all until he has himself a prize show pony blue ribbon that he can walk down, trade, and try on with and show off his proud new quarterback. It's He wants one so bad. Um I don't, you know, if Rule's driving this, if Rule reached out to him, I'll tell you, this is my, this is my positive spin. I don't think that I don't think that enough time has passed for a lesson learned situation. I don't think this was a, you know, a, a sobering wake up call for for Haskins. He hasn't really, you know, incurred the pain yet, in my opinion. But only got paid for fifteen out of those sixteen games, though. So. Yep, yep. And and well done by 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 Coach Rivero, by the way. I mean, just tremendously well done um to to get get him his four games and get him out the door. Uh, but anyways, um if we if Matt Rule and his talent identifying uh self ran a little bit of a rehab center here in Carolina, I would not be so opposed to that. It, it it's one thing if Matt Rule is like Dwayne Haskins is the answer. It's another thing if it's like Listen, I think Dwayne's a good kid. Dwayne deserves another chance. I think he's got he's got some promise, and, and we're going to bring him in here and be a part of the program and see if we can hold him accountable. And then all of a sudden, hey, you know, he does some things, plays well in the preseason, and it seems like, hey, we got a third round pick. That's Dwayne Haskins. That that experience I'm here for. 
Um, but I, yeah, if, if rule or anybody's excited about Dwayne Haskins, there is nothing, nothing that has come out that would suggest that this is the guy that matches up with the culture that Matt rule is trying to build. So I'll buy into the rehab facility. And, and I don't mean that in terms of like a, just an image rehabilitation, just to be clear, you know, mm-hmm. um, for, for guys, you know, and, and we did the, we did that a little bit with, with Gettleman guys like Mike Mitchell, stuff like that. So obviously different situations, but if that's where, if that's where Haskins is coming in and that's rules approach, I'm interested in having a coach that does stuff like that. Cause I think it, I think it would bear fruit over the long term potentially. Yeah. The other thing that I've read a couple of times on social media is that don't you trust in your, isn't, don't you trust in your culture that if you bring in somebody like that, um, that, that your culture overrides it in the locker room and that, you know, you can turn him into make him fit the culture because it's so strong. I mean, the guy's been here for 12 months and he's about to turn over 35% more of the roster. I'm not sure that that culture is so strong now that, and if it is, then that is a very confident, um, you're very confident in, in your locker room. No, I, I, I would not sign off on that. I mean, look at new England. I mean, how many troubled wide receivers that they brought in? Some of them stayed troubled. Some of them rebounded mm-hmm. and had a little success, but they also didn't get to sit there for three years, you know, and, and not, not, not produce or not do anything. So, uh, you know, he could be here for a short time and, and, and prove he's not worth it and be right back out the door and, and be a footnote in the, in a, off-season transactions or maybe he you know uh again if the, it depends on the approach um that they want to take because if you're telling me i got to lose greer or walker for for haskins okay yeah um i i don't know whether this is a hot take and i'm not sure that i've ever said it out loud i don't think greer or walker are here next year regardless of whether Dwayne haskins is here i think that teddy bridgewater is going to be the starting quarterback week one I think that Tommy Stevens is going to be the third slash practice squad quarterback. And I think that whoever they draft is going to be the second quarterback or trade for or sign in free agency. And I guess that could be Dwayne Haskins, but I don't think there is a scenario where PJ Walker or Will Greer are the third guy on the roster, maybe on the practice squad. And that's fair. I think that's fair. I mean, that's probably where PJ Walker should be at this point in his development and I really wish, you know, that you could protect him in, you know, in a practice squad way, as we've talked about before. Um, I, I, yeah, you're probably right. I mean, I think that's – if Tepper has his way, I think that's the road we're headed down. I, I still think if Rule, based on everything we've talked about with Rule and development, things like that, I don't think he's necessarily going to be the guy that's smitten with the fourth quarterback, you know, sitting there at eight. But we'll see. We shall see. I'm sure we won't talk about it again. This will be the last time that we talk about the quarterback position in the offseason uh, and in 2021 until they're back, until they're throwing passes, until it's Teddy time once again in September. Thank you.